Greetings, this is Bible Time with Jane, and I am Jane, your host. We are continuing our series in the book of Acts, and today we will look at chapter 3, verses 17 through 26. I will begin reading at the beginning of Peter's sermon, which starts in verse 12. But before I begin reading, let me give a brief overview. This uh, third chapter of Acts began with the dramatic healing of a man who had been born unable to walk. He had spent his life as a beggar, and his usual spot was sitting outside the Gate Beautiful in Jerusalem in hopes that the worshipers would have an extra measure of compassion and be generous with their charity. But instead of a few coins from Peter and John, what he received was immediate and complete healing. The Bible says, So he, leaping up, stood with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And together with Peter and John, he entered the temple area for the first time in his life. The people who daily came to the temple for prayer recognized this man as the one who, for many years, had sat at the gate beautiful begging alms from all who entered. They were amazed, astounded, to see this man walking and leaping and praising God. They quickly came to the conclusion that somehow, by their own power, Peter and John had miraculously healed him. But they were wrong. So Peter quickly began to explain to them the real reason why this wonderful thing had taken place. And Peter said, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us, as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers, but those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come upon, come upon you from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said to the fathers, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. 
Him you shall hear in all things which he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear the prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Yes, and all the prophets, from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, have also foretold these days. You are sons of the prophets, and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you, in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. Jesus. The name of Jesus is mighty to save and mighty to deliver. Peter said that it was in the name of Jesus and faith in Jesus that this man was healed, a healing described as, quote, perfect soundness, end quote. This is truly marvelous. I'm sure that there were many mixed emotions that day because Peter had just pointed out that this Jesus was the same man whom they had demanded to be crucified about 60 days earlier. And even worse, in demanding his crucifixion, they also demanded the release of Barabbas, who Peter described as being a murderer. Confronting them with their sins, Peter also pointed out that it was God, the Lord God Almighty, who raised Jesus from the dead. Peter said that God glorified his servant Jesus, and in fact, in his sermon, Peter gives Jesus that title, God's servant, twice, both in verse 13 and in verse 26. Or another way to look at it, Peter began his sermon by calling Jesus God's servant, and he ended his sermon by declaring that Jesus is God's servant. The resurrection of Jesus makes this statement and title an indisputable fact. And with his remarks, Peter was confronting them, the people of Jerusalem, with the terrible reality that they had demanded the cruel death of their Messiah, God's servant, the Prince of Life. And so Peter continued, only this time he turned his remarks to a compassionate appeal for repentance. Peter acknowledged in verse 17 that they acted out of ignorance. This was a statement of grace and mercy. Then people, Peter began to explain from the scriptures how these things had been foretold, and therefore Jesus had fulfilled the word of God. Peter talked to them about Moses, Abraham, Samuel, and the prophets. So let's take a closer look into the significance of each one. Abraham is known as the father of faith. God had singled him out from all the people of the earth and promised to make of him a nation. Additionally, 
God promised that all the people of the earth would be blessed through his descendants. This is written in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, which says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is a passage of scripture that every Jew knew and looked to. It is this covenant promise that they have held on to down through the centuries, a promise that has sustained them to hold fast to their national identity and genetic purpose from generation to generation, even surviving the worst attempts to exterminate the Jewish race from the world. It was this promise that Peter was quoting in his sermon. The seed of Abraham that would bring that blessing is Jesus the promised Messiah, Redeemer, and Savior of the world. At God's specific guidance, Abraham traveled to what was, is known, uh, what was known in his day as the land of Canaan. God promised to give to him that land as an inheritance. That land would later become known as Israel, but it would take time for that to happen. Abraham had a son whose name was Isaac, and Isaac would later have a son by the name of Jacob. Jacob, who was also named Israel, in turn would have 12 sons who became known as the 12 tribes of Israel. And due to a series of unusual circumstances, they would travel to Egypt and the entire family of 75 people would live in Egypt for over 400 years. At first, their time in Egypt was good and they flourished, both economically and numerically. But in the course of time, the Egyptians felt threatened by their great numbers and eventually Pharaoh enslaved the children of Israel. It was at this time of great suffering when all hope was lost that God raised up a man, the man of his choosing and appointment, to lead the children of Israel out of their slavery, out of Egypt, into freedom, and back into the promised land of Canaan after being gone for 430 years. The man God chose for this great task was a man by the name of Moses. Moses is known as the great deliverer of Israel as well as the lawgiver. During their travels, God gave to Moses the Ten Commandments as well as an entire set of laws that established a form of government for this new nation. At one time during their journey, when Moses' authority was being challenged, God said this about Moses, and it's recorded in Numbers 12, verses 6 through 8. God said, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. 
He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly and not in dark sayings, and he sees the form of the Lord. Yes, Moses was a prophet, very significant man in world history as well as in Israel's history. But Moses also understood that there would be another prophet, the prophet, who would speak to the nation once again. And he instructed the people that when that time came, they were to listen to him. Let's read it again. Acts 3, verse 22. For Moses truly said to the fathers, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. You know, on another occasion, we heard the same counsel during the time of Jesus' earthly ministry. It was on the day that Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on a mountaintop where he revealed to them his glory. We call it the transfiguration because for a moment, Jesus was transfigured before their eyes and they beheld his glory, the glory of God. And something else happened at that very moment. A voice was heard coming out from heaven saying this. Well, let me just read to you what it says in Matthew 17, verse 5. While Jesus was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. That voice was the voice of God the Father, And his command was this, listen to Jesus. That command still holds true today. We are still to listen to him. And we do that by reading his teaching in the Bible, in the gospel accounts, as well as through the teachings throughout the New Testament, and actually, even more, the entire Bible, because Jesus is the word of God. Just as it is written in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Well, anyway, getting back to Moses, it was his counsel and instruction that when this prophet arises, who is to be like Moses, the deliverer of God's people out of their bondage of sin into freedom, when this prophet, this deliverer would arise, they were to listen to him. And what was his message? Matthew 4, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Next, Peter talked about Samuel and the prophets. Why Samuel? 
It is because Samuel was the first of the office of prophet in the nation of Israel. He was the one that uh, brought in the uh, uh, office of king and office of, of, of prophet. Uh, Samuel would anoint the first king of Israel, Saul, and the second king of Israel, David. It was through the prophet that God chose to speak to the nation, his commands, his counsels, his encouragements, and his rebukes and warnings. It was also through the prophets that he would reveal the things that were to come, both in the near future and in the far future. Samuel and the prophets all spoke of the coming Holy One of Israel, a Messiah, a Redeemer. Why is all of this so important? Because it was to the nation of Israel that God entrusted his word, his commands, and his promises. It was to the nation of Israel and through Israel that Jesus, the fulfillment of the messianic promises would come. This chosen nation had been entrusted with the greatest truth and the greatest gift. And although they were familiar with the scriptures and the prophecies, they had totally disregarded what had been revealed and they had rejected the Son of God. And they had effectively missed the day of their greatest blessing, God in their midst. Yet to them, the first gospel message and the offer of salvation was given. I love the way the Apostle Paul puts it in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through 17, where he writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Today, we also have been given so much. We live after the cross. We know that the tomb is empty. We have more than 2,000 years of the testimonies of Christians who have put their trust in Jesus and found forgiveness for their sins, who have lived transformed lives to the glory of God. We have the scriptures, both the Old and New Testaments, the full revelation of God to the people of the world, as some put it, the whole counsel of God. We have a savior, a redeemer, whose name is Jesus. And the gift of the Holy Spirit has been given to all who put their trust in Jesus as a seal guaranteeing their inheritance, along with all of the gifts and fruit that come through him. But like the pe people in Peter's day, many still reject Jesus. They push God away from them. They try to silence this glorious message of the gracious, gracious gift of God by silencing God's children through various means, all the while not realizing that God's word cannot be silenced. How very sad and tragic it is for them. Well, Peter makes two tremendous statements in his sermons. First, he issues this call in verses 19 through 21, 
where he says, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. And then he concludes his message with this marvelous observation, which is filled with hope. Verse 26, To you first, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you, and turning away every one of you from your iniquities. Like I said in our last session, they had done their worst when they demanded the crucifixion of Jesus, their Messiah and the Son of God. But when they had done their worst, God did his best by inspiring Peter to preach this message of grace, forgiveness, and salvation. Did you catch what Peter said? He said that God raised up his servant Jesus and sent him to bless each one by turning them away from their iniquities, their sins, that they might repent and find forgiveness for their sins. The theologian Warren Wearsby makes the following additional observation of this verse. He writes, there was a promise for the individual, sins forgiven, and a promise for the nation, times of spiritual refreshing. Peter was actually calling for national repentance, for the nation through its leaders had denied its Messiah and condemned him to die. The declaration is that if the nation repented and believed, the Messiah would return and establish the promised kingdom. The nation did not repent. And certainly God knew this would happen. So the message eventually moved from the Jews to the Samaritans in Acts chapter 8, and then to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10. Aren't we thankful that God did not give up, but he used every means in order to send this gospel message, the message of salvation throughout the world from generation to generation. There's a song that is popular today entitled Mighty to Save by Morgan Freeman. Perhaps you know it, but let me read just a little bit of the words to you. The words go this way. Everyone needs compassion, a love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a savior, the hope of nations. Savior, he can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. Forever author of salvation, he rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. So take me as you find me. All my fears and failures fill my life again. 
I give my life to follow everything I believe in, and now I surrender. I surrender. Is that your prayer today? Do you need compassion? Do you need a love that is never failing? Do you need mercy? Do you need forgiveness? Surrender. Ask him to take all your fears, all your failures, all your sins. Ask him to receive you as his child, as his beloved. You know, this man who was healed was a powerful testimony to the power of God. And with him standing next to Peter and John in the temple, the truth of his healing served to confirm the truth of Peter's message on that day. Let me ask you this. Have you ever seen the power of God demonstrated in your life? Have you ever seen the power of God demonstrated in the lives of others? No, the power is real. And it can utterly transform your life if you will let him. Jesus is still calling out today. Repent. Turn away from your sin and turn to Jesus. Embrace him. Receive his love. Receive his healing. Receive the hope that he so freely offers, just as it is written in the scriptures, when God says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart, and I will be found of you, says the Lord. We thank you, O God, for this wonderful invitation, for this wonderful promise, for this glorious hope. And Heavenly Father, I just bring uh, the, these people who are listening today, O Lord, I bring them before you, and I ask, O oh God, that you will hear the prayer of their heart and that you will answer from heaven. I pray that you will uh, um, speak to them through the power of your word, through the, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would do a mighty work in their life. Show them your mercy. Show them your grace. May forgiveness flow out to them, O oh Lord, I pray. I pray that they will cry out to you with all of their heart. And according to the promise in your word, I know that you will hear and answer their prayer. Continue to teach them your word, O oh God. Continue to reveal your glory to them, your power, your authority, your love, your mercy, your grace. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, until next time, my friend, May God richly bless you and fill you with his power and his peace.